Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Q&A. We're so glad you've decided to join us this morning. And so if you have questions from the sermon, the number's up on the screen, and we would encourage you to text those in and then have an opportunity to answer those this morning. So um, good morning and really interesting (laughs) um, section of text. Yes. I don't think I ever would have pulled this out of that. So I appreciate your time and study in that. Thanks. I I didn't expect it. It's one of those times where if you read the Bible, sometimes you think, oh, wow, I didn't get much out of it. That's Mm -hmm. honest. And other times it's like, wow, that's amazing. And it was one of those times where just in a few minutes of reading the text, I was like, right here embedded in this little account of this man's life is the journey that all of us go through that causes us to to stop walking with the Lord. So uh, I, I didn't expect it. I didn't go into chapter 13 thinking, oh, this is where we were headed. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that we were headed to uh, the correction of some rebellion. I did not suspect that we would find the key, if you will, to how we end up getting there. So I was blessed. Yeah, very interesting. And so we have some... Um Questions and comments here, starting with the compromises. Um, so first one, is it a compromise to take a job that requires me to work on Sundays? I know it's glorifying to the Lord to work, but is this a compromise? Hmm. Possibly. The The question that um, often will is discussed among New Testament believers is this whole question of to what degree are we required to keep the Sabbath Mm -hmm. as uh, the Jews were given the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. And I read from Colossians chapter 3, and so let me read it again in answer to this question. To this question, because it specifically names the Sabbath, which is the the root of this question. Is it okay for me to work on Sunday? Uh, it says in verse 16 of Colossians chapter um, 3, and I actually should have said 2, Colossians 2, 16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to, and now he makes a list of things, to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. So the Sabbath gets in in this list of don't judge one another here, and here's why. Verse 17, 17, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, my understanding, and, and I want to acknowledge there'd be other people who would disagree with me. My understanding of the Sabbath is that we are no longer under the Old Testament Ten Commandment obligation to not work on a the particular day. Those uh, I had too many thoughts in my head at once. <laughs> On a particular day. Interesting, I find, for those who think, now we should keep the Sabbath, uh, 
um, actually don't keep it on the Sabbath. They keep it on Sunday, but not on Saturday. Saturday. So they've already made a change. And the change is because we see by example that the people in the New Testament in the book of Acts seem to move their day for gathering and worship from Saturday to Sunday in memory of the resurrection, which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is we we end up molding a little bit of the old and some of the new, and we create our new lump that I don't think all of us are in uh, are required to live under. So if you have as your conscience a belief that you are required to not work Old Testament Sabbath, on Sunday, New Testament Day of res Resurrection memory, then if it goes against your conscience, you should not. You should not make that compromise. But if that is somebody else putting that on you, and mm. you don't have that conviction, but you feel guilty because somebody else has that conviction and they're placing that conviction upon you, you are not accountable for their conviction or their judgment upon you. So that's why I would say possibly. Uh, I have taken a job that requires me to work on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So have you. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a clear conscience about that. And you may say, oh, that's different. I don't think it is. I think that this text is telling us that the Old Testament day of rest, which was to define for the people of God dependence upon him to be their provider, is now fully expressed in the person of Jesus, who I am completely dependent upon every day for everything. Not to introduce a, a whole nother thorny subject, but it's the same principle of why I don't think as New Testament believers, we are under the law to tithe, because a tithe represents a, a giving of a portion, a tenth to God, as if then the other 90% is ours. But we understand that we no longer belong to ourselves, that according to 1 Corinthians 6, that we've been bought with a price, therefore we belong to God. Mm -hmm. And if we belong to God, everything that I have belongs to him, not just a tent. And every day that I live is a day to be lived for him, not just one day. So my conscience is clear, but if yours is not, you should not. Uh, work. I am not in any way minimizing, though, the value of rest in a person's life. Absolutely. We should give rest. But I don't think, again, we're under biblical obligation to find that rest in a particular chosen day and mm -hmm. ignore it every other day. Right. Um, so another, really a comment story here shared about um, compromise. They said, thank you, Lord, for the conviction of removing a video game app from my phone. That's been a compromise taking my time from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I don't use social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of those, is I know my capacity mm -hmm. to um, scroll, 
Jackie will sometimes tell me, and again, I, I'm not standing in judgment of those who do those things. I'm saying why I do not. Sure. Um, every once in a while, she'll show me something on her phone, and then she laughs at me because then once I see something and I have her phone in my hand, I start. You start scrolling. I scroll, it's your and she's like, response. ten minutes later, she's like, uh, "Could I have my phone back?" <laughs> and so I know that that would be a capacity hmm. for me, and so. Sometimes I miss it in the sense of when I did Instagram for a while, I only had my family. And so I do miss things sometimes from the family, but it's a, it's a small way in which I can keep myself from consuming. When I was younger, uh, I was given a, a video, an Xbox type video console, and uh, I realized um, wow, I could get really consumed with hours and hours and hours with that. So I'm not saying again that it's fundamentally, uh, that it's essentially wrong for everybody. I just recognized that that would be a, an initial compromise. So I blame it on the fact that I'm old and I don't do those things. But in, in reality, I'm trying to guard my heart. Sure. And I, I think for all of us, there's a varying array of things that can do that. Um, and just the humility, sometimes asking the Lord, what is a distraction? Yeah. You know, what's something that's distracting me from you? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not sure, and I don't want this to sound rude. This is not mm. being rude. I, I probably don't need to ask the Lord that. I think I know what it is. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I, I, need, uh, I need the Lord's grace to have the courage and the conviction and the endurance to apply what I know, mm. but I'm not confused. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what can be a distraction for me. Sometimes I, though, will go, uh, but it's not that big a deal. So the com- mm. I minimize, uh, because, but I minimize because I don't want to let it go. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a battle there. I think some things sure. become so ingrained that they come, become a second nature yes. that you don't realize what it's causing you Granted, to do. I, I agree yeah. with you there. Absolutely. And so you, uh, and, but your spouse could probably tell you, mm-hmm. or your kids might be able to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could probably point it out real quick for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're moving on. We're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and next question. Um, question here when you reference an, em- an ember. Um, do you believe mm. the ember once lit can ever be fully extinguished? If so, what is the result of only being an ember? Ah. If we are describing, uh, an ember is an image that I chose to Mm -hmm. use. So if you are defining, as I was, an ember as my relationship with God, can I be in, the question is, therefore, can I be in relationship with God and then no longer have relationship with God? And my answer would be no. I do not think that once I am in relationship with God, that that relationship will end. The journey, see, I can I can be in relationship with God, which begins my walk with God, and I can stop walking with Him. Mm-hmm. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit so that you would not satisfy the desires of your flesh. So I can have the Spirit of God in me, and this is why I don't think I can, the ember can go completely out and there be no relationship anymore, is because, and so 
Man, I have so many thoughts running in my head. <laughs> if I said go out and I communicated that a relationship with God would stop, then I apologize. That was a careless word that I used in the service. Do not think. I think the ember can grow dim and be light covered up and not provide heat, but the relation, it's an image. So just remember, it's an image. Um, the relationship says it cannot uh, cannot end because in him, Ephesians 1.13, you also, having listened to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's overwhelming evidence to me that if God seals something by his spirit, I would be crazy to think that by my actions, I could undo a sealing of God. So therefore, I do not think uh, that the image used would be an image that would go out. But it was just an image. Stay with the, Stay with the, the text, the, the text <laughs> not my image. Don't get lost in the example. Um, next question regarding the foreigner. Um, and the marriage and the family. Uh, why was it wrong that a foreigner was invited mm. into the house? I know it was wrong why the marriage happened, but if it happened, wouldn't they want them to know God? Oh. That's interesting. Uh, yes, they would want them to know God, but that does not mean, that. first of all, that they would know God. Uh, mm. I was going to look at it next week, but you're uh, p- pressing the question. <laughs> so a preview. Uh, Nehemiah 13, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, four starts now prior to this. So uh, what happened in 4 happened before what happened in, in mm-hmm. 1, 2, and 3. Uh, on the day they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and there was found in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God because they did not meet the sons of Israel and bread and water, but hired Balaam. And so it goes on and specifically identifies an Ammonite who obviously Tobiah is. Now, if you were... Uh, watching or listening a number of weeks ago, I did identify that Ruth, a Moabitess, Mm -hmm. who would not have been allowed to enter, actually is included in the lineage of Jesus because of her conversion and her engagement with the one true God of Israel. Tobiah's family, Tobiah himself, his spin, and maybe I didn't make a big enough point about this, Tobiah himself through the entire book since like chapter 4 has been an enemy of the purposes of God and the people of God in Jerusalem. So he is not a convert and therefore had no place whatsoever to even enter the assembly, let alone set up residence there because he had proved himself. Not only was he a foreigner, he was a foreigner who rejected the God of Israel. Hmm. Somehow in being related to him, Eliashib, and again, we don't know what it, what it was or what he longed for, what his desire was, but for some reason, that relationship then led Eliashib to do something that he would not have done prior, and that is to give access to Tobiah. So something changed in his heart 
first. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope you did capture, that we often don't know people where people are on their in their relationship with God because we only see what comes out of the heart, the actions. But sometimes the change has been happening inside the heart before it comes out and it gets revealed. Mm-hmm. And um, so we don't know how that ultimately went down with with the priest here in Nehemiah 13, but uh, certainly a, a, a previous desire to please God gets replaced with a desire for something to gain from that relationship. And I have to guard my heart for that change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with the desires, next question, isn't putting to death our desires only half of the equation? Don't we also bring to life the desires the sp- of the spirit by renewing of the mind? Curious why only focusing on putting death, putting to death personal desire? Huh. Um, maybe you're like the Jaguars and didn't listen to the full sermon. That's a little <laughs> bit of a joke. <laughs> But I gave four points, and the fourth, the third point was put to death. The fourth point was to give sufficient time and energy, space and opportunity for worship, for Mm -hmm. reading, and for fellowship. The the actions that do put on. So, um, sorry if you missed that, but uh, I didn't give emphasis to just the one. I think it is, well, in New Testament language, there's a putting off and a putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I had three, which is a putting off, a uh, crucifying of things that will actually harm me, even though they tempt me by trying to appeal to me. I will only crucify them when I will go, ah, that appeal is a lie. That's destruction. And then third, to make sure that I'm putting on and the things that will stimulate and foster relationship with God. So um, not sure how to answer that beyond that that it wasn't a one. If I would have done that, that would have been been incomplete. Mm -hmm. In the same way that, that the death of Jesus is the core of the gospel, but to preach the death of Jesus apart from the resurrection of Jesus is to help people understand how their sin can be forgiven. But if we leave out the resurrection, we end up leaving out how the hope and the how in which we walk in newness of life. Mm -hmm. Because Romans 6 says that it is... The fact that we have been made one with him in resurrection, that we can walk in newness of life. So I see the death of Jesus as how our sin is paid for, and the resurrection of Jesus as how we walk in newness of life. I see our walking with God now, uh, putting to death that which is sinful, and a putting on of that which will foster life. So there are always both sides to that equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that last point about giving, do you say giving space? Was that what the word, the, um, I written down. I used a. Oh, give space and energy um, for worship. And sometimes that in itself, it's an intentional action to make that yes. space. Yes. Make that time 
enable yourself to have the energy to do those things. There's a lot of action, sometimes mm-hmm. planning, that actually has to go into that. And uh, the actions, I think, are, and this might sound dramatic, but this is a reality, the actions for that to happen are the crucifying of the desires mm-hmm. that would fill those minutes, those space mm-hmm. and, and uh, energy with other stuff. I have to... I have to not only say no to those things, I have to then say yes to that which will feed the desire. Mm-hmm. And that does come down to sometimes just very practical things like crucifying the desire for more sleep. And more sleep may actually be uh, crucifying the desire to watch another show the night before so that I can get to bed, so I can get the sufficient sleep, so that I can get up and have the space and the opportunity for I have to get into the obligations of the day to spend time in the scriptures being renewed and refreshed with the Lord. So uh, sometimes I have to put to death the night before so that I can bring to life the next morning. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It's those practical decisions of what we do. Uh, throughout our week uh, so that we're available to be able to be present at worship on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I've challenged the staff with and myself over the years is let's use our the minutes we're given during the week to be prepared and ready for Sunday so that when people show up on Sunday, we can actually engage with them and engage with the Lord and not be still trying to do our work. Because we can be, as staff members, this would Mm -hmm. maybe be irrelevant to many of you, as staff members, we can be here but not really be here because Mm -hmm. we're still doing our work that we should have done during the week. For the person who's not on staff, Sometimes it's the things that we didn't do during the week because we wanted to do some other things that we said, we'll just put it off to Sunday. We don't end up in worship. We don't end up being exposed to the Word of God. And so desire starts to wane. And it was because we didn't crucify things that we needed to crucify earlier on in the week. Mm -hmm. It just brings to mind. That's why I'm so grateful for the Thursday night service. I know for staff, it's been a huge blessing, but for so many people that we have that opportunity yes. to worship on Thursday nights as well. Yeah. If if Sunday is a genuine challenge because of work or because of some other issue in your life, our Thursday service at seven o'clock, it's the exact same service mm-hmm. that we do on Sunday morning. Well, I changed it dramatically this week, but uh, <laughs> the way I taught this today was a, was a little bit different than the way I taught it on Thursday. Same passage, same truth. I just did it in a different order. But it's the same music, same service. And uh, it's a good option to utilize in order to maintain a faithfulness in your participation in worship. Um, this opportunity here is is a good opportunity as a potential substitute if we can't get here. I don't think it's best that this be the only way we engage in worship, though. And I think that was a, a challenge for some folks coming out of COVID. They mm-hmm. got used to watching online. They enjoyed the process of watching online and have struggled to uh, re-engage in person, and what gets lost in that is the relationship that happens when we're on campus. Yeah, from so that building of it's a great opportunity, community. but I don't think it's intended to be an online lifestyle. Hmm. 
for sure. Um, well, anything else you would want to wrap with here or uh, that you maybe didn't have extra minutes to cover this morning? Just an encouragement to uh, make sure you're a part of next week. Uh, we'll look at, okay, how do we help ourselves or others who have stopped? What are the necessary ingredients? These are things that have have that we talked about this morning to guard us from stopping. Sure. That will be, we have stopped, whether for an hour, a week, or a year or five years, we have stopped. How do we get started again? And how do we help others get started again? So that'll be next week from Nehemiah 13. Awesome. Well, and we'd love to, if you haven't been here in person and you're here in Jacksonville, we'd love to have you and you're welcome anytime. Um, feel free to join us on campus. It'd be a pleasure to meet you and appreciate everyone for listening in. Thanks for the questions. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.